1: REM cycles are are part of the sleep structure of the sleep architecture. What happens at night when we fall asleep, our brain waves start to slow down we go through different sleep cycles. And these sleep cycles occur in 90 minute blocks. Um, And we start out from a waking period. Then we go down to stages one, then two, then three. And this is where our brain waves start to slow down. But every 90 minutes, we then cycle back up to the surface and we have a REM period. And during the night, we get about five or six of these REM periods But I guess what's the question, what what does REM stand for? So REM stands for rapid eye movement. And I guess the question is, what are they there for? Well, from what we know, uh, REM is really designed to process, um, or it's the emotional washing machine of the mind.
2: Hi, I'm journalist Caroline Stephen. A good night's sleep is a trader's secret weapon. So how can we maximize our sleep for peak optimal performance? Well, for traders who are having trouble hitting their mattresses and getting the most from their zeds, today we talk to sleep psychologist, Dr. Frank Carl, who specializes on how to make people at one with their mattresses. Frank is an insomniac treater and I am an insomniac. So I particularly enjoyed talking to Frank. But first on today's show, here are five ways to save money with Louise Bedford in Mindpower.
0: What are some of the most common ways that we waste money? Whether you are saving up for your initial trading equity so that you can get going in the market, or whether you're looking to develop discipline around your spending habits and saving some money, to build on your trading equity we can all work out small ways that we can improve and let's remember as well that everything that you do has a ripple effect into all other areas of your life so if you become more disciplined about money then you'll become more disciplined about other areas in your life as well firstly random coffees Millennials apparently are spending more on coffee than they are on their retirement plan. According to Acorn's Money Matters, just 5% of millennials are saving at all. And they're spending $1,100 per year on coffee. That's around $3 per day. Now, if you think of your own coffee habit, I'll bet you that your local coffee is going to cost you more than $3. And there are some days that you won't just stop at one. So before we get all judgmental about millennials, let's remember that sometimes we have to look in our own backyard first. The second way that we waste money is that too many people are spending first and saving later instead of saving first and then spending whatever is left over. You see, apparently, for the people who are on a regular savings plan, they're actually spending less during the month than if they were doing it the other way around. And it makes sense, doesn't it? It taps into our ability to think creatively. If we don't have as much money left over because we have saved the money first, then we're more likely to do things like bringing our lunch to work instead of going out and buying lunch across the street at that really expensive little cafe. Another really common way that we are wasting money is when it comes to splitting bills. You know, you go out, you're careful with what you order, you skip the entree, you don't order a drink that involves alcohol, you stick with water. And unfortunately, when the end of the night ticks around, All of a sudden everybody is splitting that bill evenly. I suggest you deal with this up front. Say how you'd like to pay at the end, but at the beginning of the night. You could say something like, how about everybody covers what they eat? Simple, easy, makes your expectations clear. Number four is shopping when you're hungry. I can tell you, I have done it myself, you will always put more in that shopping cart if you're hungry in the first place. And what's more is you're not going to put more carrots in the cart, oh no. You're going to put in processed food, things in a packet, things that you can eat immediately and usually high carb, high calorie, high sugar. Number five is not adding up the bill as we go. Now I don't know if you've ever been to Bunnings where you went in for a box of screws and then you came out with a shopping cart full of items. Now this is unfortunate. I've done the same thing at Priceline actually. Small purchases add up. Making that shopping list in advance can help you stick to the list and make sure that you don't get taken away with impulse purchases. You see, all of these things are compounding. If you can work out little ways to save money, it will create big changes in your life in just a few years. And don't think it doesn't matter, because it really does. In terms of discipline, the things that you stick at now will have that ripple effect into your trader's life.
1: I'm Patrick Hollingworth. Everest Mountain here, and I listen to Talking Trading.
2: Dr. Frank Carl is a psychologist who specializes in treating sleeping disorders, making people feel at one with their mattresses. You and I, Frank, are a perfect fit. I am an insomniac, and you are an insomniac treater. Hello, and welcome to Talking Trading.
1: Oh, thanks, Caroline. Uh, It's nice to be here and thanks for the invitation.
2: Louise speaks very highly of you. Dr. Frank, what is sleep and how much do people need?
1: Well, sleep's an important part of our health, there's no question about that. Um, The question of how much sleep do we need, uh, that was actually posed a number of years ago by um, a number of world experts that were kind of trying to sort out, um, do we need eight hours, do we need nine hours or less? And uh, so a uh, number of experts around the world came together and they came up with a magic number of seven. Really? Seven is, yep, yeah, seven is the amount of sleep. Seven hours is the amount of sleep the most the average adult needs. Of course, uh, teenagers need a little bit more. Of course, babies need a lot more. But around about seven hours. Now, people are going to vary on either side in relation to that. Some people are, are okay, around six. Some people need their eight and nine. So it's a little, sleep's a little bit like shoe sizes. People are going to vary in the amount of sleep that they need. And that's a pretty nice way of um, sort of putting it. I guess the major, major question is how do you feel during the day? So if you feel that you're functioning well during the day, then the amount of sleep that you're getting at night is probably about right. But if you wake up feeling cranky and you're tired and you're irritable and you're driving everyone else crazy, then maybe you need a little bit more sleep.
2: What are REM cycles?
1: Yeah, REM cycles are, are part of the sleep structure of the sleep architecture. What happens at night? When we fall asleep, our brain waves start to slow down. We go through different sleep cycles. And these sleep cycles occur in 90-minute blocks. Um, and we start out from a waking period, then we go down to stages one, then two, then three. And this is where our brain waves start to slow down. But every 90 minutes, we then cycle back up to the surface and we have a REM period. And during the night, we get about five or six of these REM periods. But I guess what's the question, what what does REM stand for? So REM stands for rapid eye movement. And I guess the question is, what are they there for? Well, from what we know, uh, REM is really designed to process, um, or it's the emotional washing machine of the mind. So REM, which stands for rapid eye movement, is where we actually process a lot of the stuff that happened the day before. And it's where we do a lot of our dreaming. And when people sort of reflect or wake up and reflect on their dreams, They might be able to make a connection between their dreams and what was bizarrely happening in their dreams and the sort of stuff that happened the day before. So in a way, uh, REM is a very important part of actually regulating our emotions from the previous day and uh, helping us uh, prepare for the next day um, emotionally. Um, Yeah, and we often know, very quickly we often find that we have a lot more REM cycles towards the end of the night. So that's where if you wake up early in the morning, you remember most of your dreams.
2: So what is the importance of pre-midnight sleep?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think that's a bit of a wives' tale. Uh, do
0: you? The
1: best, yeah, I do, I do, I do. Look, I can't back up. Uh, I can only back this up with evidence. Um, I don't know where it came from, but um, uh, Nanny used to say the best sleep is the first two hours before midnight. But the reality, if you look at it, it doesn't matter when you fall asleep, your sleep architecture remains pretty much the same. So it doesn't really matter make much difference about whether you fall asleep at uh, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, one o'clock. In fact, some people are a little bit more delayed in their sleep, meaning that they can't fall asleep till about one, two, three in the morning. So they have what we call a circadian rhythm shift. But if you have a look at their sleep structures, their sleep structures look as normal as anyone who'd fell asleep two hours before midnight. As they go through their normal cycles, uh, they go through their normal REM periods So the whole concept is probably, um, well, with no doubt, flawed. I've
2: got to say, I notice a big difference if it's post-midnight sleep. Uh, What do you notice? Well, it feels like if I get to sleep before midnight, there's some injection, some, I don't know, like a testosterone injection. I I feel clear and strong the next day. But if I get to sleep after midnight, I don't feel like that.
1: What time do you get up every morning?
2: Seven or eight.
1: Okay, so if you go to bed at 10 and you get up at 7, that's nine hours sleep. If you go I, to bed at 1...
2: It takes me two hours to get to sleep, so I often don't get to sleep just, just until before midnight.
1: Oh, okay. So you lie in bed for two hours. Mm. Well, what do you do?
2: I just lie there.
1: And where's your mind go?
2: Well, it varies. I mean, sometimes it's all over the place. Sometimes I hold it still with as much meditation as I can do. It's hard. Yeah, that's...
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's quite a common um, a common condition. It's called sleep so, uh, sleep onset insomnia. And if we're talking to some traders out there, they may kind of experience this where they go to bed and they can't switch their mind off. Um, it, the average time to fall asleep when you go to bed is around about 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit longer. But if you're lying in bed for up to a couple of hours in bed, it, something else is going on. And usually it's an active mind. Um, so, there's some kind of strategies that are quite use, it's useful to, have, to deal with this sleep onset issue. Um, probably the first one I would say is that if you're going to bed and you're lying there for a couple of hours, maybe you might want to consider going to bed a little bit later. Um, so, if you're falling asleep close at midnight, then maybe considering moving your bedtime to, say, 11, 11 might actually reduce the sleep onset issue. But if you do that, you need to maintain your regular wake up time. And what that does, it actually puts a little bit more pressure on your sleep. So when you come around the following night, because you've been, you went to bed later the night before, you got up earlier that morning, and you've been up for longer, it increases your sleep drive. So sometimes it makes it easier to fall asleep um, within about 20 or 30 minutes. But the other thing that happens is that people often go to bed with what we call a monkey mind, where their mind is just buzzing, and they have trouble trying to switch it off. And there's a couple of ways in which you can uh, address the monkey mind. Probably the first one would be uh, knowing, noting the difference between good thoughts and bad thoughts. So good thoughts basically are what we call drifting thoughts. And they're uh, replaying memories, uh, replaying uh, parts of your history, going in the back catalogue of your memories. Bad thoughts are the things that happen during the day. There could be ruminations. They could be worrying about, um, I don't know, a trade that you might have made that went wrong. Um It could be a whole bunch of things that get you or could be worrying or thinking about particular issues in your life. And you know that when you start thinking about that, you become a lot more active and a lot more aroused. Um, So generally, it's really important to separate those two kind of thinking patterns. Um, One thing that you can do when you find yourself getting hooked into what I would call bad thinking or thinking that keeps you awake or aroused is do a thing called a diffusion technique. So what a diffusion technique is when you notice when you're starting to think about stuff that you shouldn't be thinking about and you want to let it go, um, the classic uh, diffusion technique is leaves on a stream. Where you can just imagine a gentle stream. You put whatever you're worried about on a leaf and watch it float down the stream. That's nice. But some people like a little – yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely little image, but some people like a little bit more pepper in their diffusion. I had one guy who came – who had – uh, struggle trying to switch off at night and he he would imagine a giant office shredder and every time he started thinking about things that happened during the day that would upset him or started ruminating about things he'd just imagine putting it into the giant shredder and then shredding it through um, and then drift then allowing his mind to sort of drift off into another um, more relaxing line of thinking which is usually related to memories holidays and so forth um so, uh, and other people have come up with um, sticking in boxes, um, burying in holes, um, throwing up against the wall. Um, I've had a lot of golfers that actually put it on the tee and just smash it. So anything you can do to let go of that thinking um, and allowing your mind to drift. But if you're lying in bed and you're struggling between uh, trying to um, put things through shredders and then trying to drift off to you know uh, more pleasant places, and you're really struggling. The trick then is to get out of bed. And now um, getting out of bed breaks this kind of pattern of just lying there for a couple of hours. Um, Now, what do you do when you get out of bed? Well, for me, it's uh, getting out of bed. is really um, out for about 10 minutes to cool down and reset. And the reason why this is really important is that when you're lying in bed for long periods of time with active thoughts, your body temperature goes up. Mm -hmm. And sleep is associated with a fallen body temperature. So if you're lying there tossing and turning, yeah, if you're lying there tossing and turning, trying to sleep, um, trying to get to sleep, getting out of bed um, for about 10 minutes, uh, I usually go down to the kitchen, just cool down, maybe a glass of water, just sit quietly, perhaps stare at the dog if you have one. And then when you're ready, um, back into bed. But about 10 minutes is about all you need. And when you go back to bed, you just focus on drifting. That's all. That's it. And try to control the tendency of getting hooked into um, some of the ruminating thoughts so picking a diffusion technique can be quite useful.
2: There's a common phenomena of waking up at 4 a.m., I've heard about mm. this, and not being able to go back to sleep. Yeah. What's that?
1: It's a, it's a condition called early morning waking. So when you look at insomnia, there are basically three, it you been broken up to three key components. One is sleep onset insomnia, where people have difficulty falling asleep, usually because they've got an active mind. Um, or they've developed an anxiety about falling asleep. Um, Then you've got those people who actually are able to fall asleep, but they wake a lot during the night for long periods. They might get up at 2 o'clock and struggle to go back to sleep, but they eventually go back to sleep. And then you've got the early morning wakers. So these people can fall asleep, and then they um, will sleep for about 3 to 4 hours, and then they'll wake, and they struggle to go back to sleep. And they fall into two categories. Um, The first one is people who are suffering from chronic depression, will often find themselves waking at 3 or 4 in the morning and not able to go to sleep. But more commonly what I see is people who live a very active life. So if they've got a very busy life and they've got a lot on, we often find that um, they wake at uh, 3 or 4 in the morning and their mind just switches on. And they go ping and they're ready to go for the day. Even though their body's not ready, their mind just switches on. Um, so I see a lot of people in this particular category. How do you treat it? Good question. Good question. Uh, And there's probably a lot of listeners out there wondering, my God, what's he going to tell me? Uh, Well, I I think the general rule here uh, with early morning waking, um, there's a couple of ways in which you can go. Uh, One of the big mistakes that you can do is actually, again, lying in bed for long periods of time with your thoughts. So um, getting out of bed for a short period of time can be quite helpful here. And that's usually going downstairs for about 10 or 15 minutes, cooling the body down, resetting, then coming back to bed. Um, When you come back to bed, it's very important to focus on just resting and drifting. Um, one of the things that there's a strange phenomena that can occur and often occurs for people who have suffered from this condition and it's called sleep state misperception. And what that is, is that you could be lying there waking at say three or four and you're awake and you might get out of bed and go back to bed and you're lying there and you can swear black and blue that you're awake from say four o'clock till about six or seven when you wake up in an actual fact um, you can be asleep without even realizing it so with this concept of sleep state misperception there are three basic things that will tell you that you have actually uh, fallen asleep without even realizing it the first one is um, does time go quickly or do pockets of time disappear so if you're lying there for about two hours um, studying the inside of your eyelids for two hours that's a long time but if you felt the time went quickly then the chances are you're a you'd fallen asleep without even realising for pockets, if not a good chunk of that time. The second thing that will tell you that you might have been asleep even though you thought you were awake is that your thinking can become quite bizarre. You're lying there thinking about a trade that you got caught into uh, or you're involved in or you're thinking of, uh, of doing uh, later that day and all of a sudden you found yourself in the jungle uh, chasing lions and tigers. You know, this is a little bit weird. In actual fact, what had happened is you'd actually fallen asleep through a sleep cycle and come out of a REM period where we do a lot of our dreaming, uh, without even realising. But you hadn't sort of picked up the fact that you'd fallen asleep. And the third one, which is the most um, telling one, is that even though you thought you were asleep uh, awake from about four or three till about six or seven, um, you get up the next morning and you found your daytime energy wasn't as bad as you thought. In actual fact, you'd fallen asleep. So um, in summary, uh, for people who wake at three or four in the morning, the general is this, get up, get out of bed, have a short break, go back to bed and just focus on resting and drifting and realising that you could be asleep without even realising it. But using those diffusion techniques that we talked about earlier about um, when people have difficulty falling asleep uh, can also be useful at this particular time.
2: And that's all for part one of Dr. Frank Carl on getting the most from your Zeds. Stay tuned next week to hear part two on how to make yourself at one with your mattress. I'm Caroline Stephen. Happy trading. Always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. This is super important because word of mouth is the most powerful way that people can get in touch with us. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcast and make sure you give us a big, fat five-star review because it helps people find us. You'll also notice that Talking Trading doesn't use sponsors and barely advertisers. This is because Chris Tate and Louise Bedford fund this show from tradinggame.com.au If you'd like to get Louisa's five-part free e-course, register at tradinggame.com.au. So until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are generally nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.